0: so thanks, stickters for doubling our attendance today. Um, Y'all take lessons here. Uh, uh, So we've been walking through, just so you know kind of where we've been uh, as we get started uh, this morning. We've been walking through the book of Matthew the last several weeks. Uh, We're in Matthew chapter 6. We're in the heart of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. I was not able to be here last week, and I want to thank my good friend Ricky for preaching for me uh, last minute he uh... he was busy all week with uh... with by county and he was such a good friend and he filled in for me uh... he still owes me but um... (laughs) uh, it's uh... it's good to have a good wingman and i appreciate him so thank you for your prayers i was sick last week uh... the week or whatever I i was only sick for like a day but it's COVID, so it takes forever Um, uh... so i feel great today and i'm should be in the clear so if i shook your hand you know wash it um. Uh, but no, I, I'm I'm good. I wouldn't come back if I wasn't. So uh, it's good to be together. It's good to be back with you. Uh, in the study of Matthew, we've really focused in on the kingdom message. Jesus came preaching that the kingdom of heaven arrived. That's Matthew four seventeen, and what Jesus does in the uh, Sermon on the Mount is help us understand what the kingdom uh, life is about. Uh, he speaks with. Authority. He brings his disciples up to the mountain and he shares with them and he speaks to them with authority. When it's all said and done, they're reflecting on the authority in which Jesus teaches. You know, it's uh it's one thing uh when you're a substitute teacher and you go into the school and you and you and you tell the kids, all right, this is what you need to do. And they're kind of like, Yeah, you're the sub, we'll kind of do what we want. But when the teacher comes in and says this is what we're going to do well they have the authority to say this is what we're going to do because there's a big difference between a substitute teacher and a regular teacher and that is, is i don't have access to the grade book and and they do you know and so when we think about the authority jesus has authority because he is god's son and one of the things i wanted to do just at the very onset of this sermon of this message is ask the question does Jesus have authority in your life? Because that's ultimately like the rest of the conversation, the rest of the message, and listening to the Sermon on the Mount, it really has no bearing on your life if Jesus doesn't have the authority. If he's not the one that you listen to and center your life on, the rest of this doesn't make any sense and you shouldn't do it, right? But if Jesus is Lord and King, If Jesus is the one that can truly teach us and guide us, then by all means, let's listen to what he has to say. And so uh, that's like my heart. (laughs) The heart of everything I think about in discipleship and ministering and caring for a church family, it's helping people see that Jesus has to have authority in your life. He's either leading your life or he isn't. And we want to encourage people to make those next steps and finding completeness in Jesus and new life in Him, and you don't find completeness without Jesus. And so when we come to the Sermon on the Mount, we have to arrive at it with, with some sense of, does Jesus want to, uh, what does Jesus want? What is Jesus' desires? What is Jesus teaching us about His kingdom and the life in that kingdom? And so I want to just start with prayer. And just sort of center our lives on the spirit in this moment and just ask God to speak with authority in our lives and change us from the inside out. Let's pray. God, we love you. We praise you. We lift up uh, thanksgiving to you today of all that you've done through your son Jesus. Lord, we don't want to simply say with empty words, with empty meaning that Jesus is Lord and King. Wrestle us today, God. Speak through your spirit and show us what it means for your son to have authority in our life and every aspect of it. We love you and we praise you and we thank you for this sermon on the mount that has changed lives from generation to generation. So let this generation hear it, Lord. Open our hearts to you. Convict us where we need conviction. Turn in our hearts, Lord, today. Bring about repentance. We know you offer us forgiveness. Lead us to you. Help us to love and care for. Minister to one another. Lift one another up in love. We praise you. It's in Jesus' name, Amen. Uh, so in Jesus' sermon on the mount, we'll we'll kind of hop into the middle of it. Uh, there's so much to cover, and and we uh, I'm just trying to get through kind of a broad look at the entire book of Matthew. And so we don't have time to land on all of the things and and take the time with it. I've preached on the Sermon on the Mount a variety of times, uh, and it usually takes me about 20 weeks. So uh, this 20-week message, we're going to boil down to two weeks. So I'm not sure how well that's going to go. Uh, But I want to just take a look at something that uh, sort of is really impactful to me. And in a world where everything is really uh, all about presentation, Jesus is really concerned about the inner heart. And there are three things that Jesus brings out, and what I would like to call it is quiet faithfulness. Quiet faithfulness. I'm loud and obnoxious, and so it's hard for me to know and understand what quiet faithfulness is. But in a world that's really loud, Jesus calls us to this sort of secret life. And I want to talk about that, but before I talk about that, I want to talk about Wordle. Uh, uh, Now, Wordle is something I'm addicted to. I'm I'm fully confessing. This is partially confessing. I I actually had a little conversation with Addy yesterday, and and I revealed my true intention with Wordle. Now, if you don't know what Wordle is, um, you need to join the party. I mean, you need to get in it. Like, No. Uh, so it's a, it's a word puzzle game, and it's one daily puzzle, and you have to guess what the word is. And when you guess what the word is, you share it because you're smart. And, uh, and you show your other friends how smart you are. And what hooked me, what hooked me is, is my really smart friends weren't getting the word, and I was. <laughs> and boy, boy, does it feel good. I mean, really smart people, like a guy who works for Intel as a software engineer. He didn't get the word one day, and I did. And I'm telling you, I feel like I could go work for Intel now. I mean, and uh, this is what's wrong with me, I know. But what is it about the sort of outwardness of our life? This sort of sense that we have to share and present ourselves, and we want to put our best presentations in front of everyone. And so Jesus, he addresses this, he addresses this in the most simple ways because what happened in the ancient world and it still happens today is, is that our faith becomes this sort of thing that we have to present to others so that they know how spiritual we are. And so Jesus addresses people in the way that they give, in the way that they pray, and the way that they fast. And you know, no one ever tells you if they're fasting or on a diet, so we don't really get a sense of that, Right? sarcasm people wake up that was me picking on you you know because whatever keep moving forward jesus addresses all of the sort of outwardness of their faith their faith and how they practice it and jesus wants to address the heart now if i could go back in time and i could talk to little jordan as the 23 year old kid who felt like he needed to prove himself in his faith and his knowledge and what he knew uh, when i first started as your minister Uh, all those years ago, I would have told myself, you need to do something different than your current approach because it's not sustainable. If everything is all in output and there's not enough input, there's going to be issues. If you spend more time praying publicly than you do privately, there's going to be issues. If you spend all of your time in output of sharing what you know and not enough in seeking the Lord and his heart and his will, there's going to be problems. I was young and stupid, and we all were there. Now I'm wise, right? Yeah, right? My kids would beg to differ, and you would too. But we're still learning and growing. And what I would love to tell myself is to say, Jordan, you need to spend time understanding what Jesus means by quiet faithfulness. And so, what does Jesus mean? And right there in the heart of his sermon, he, he begins addressing all of those who practice their righteousness for everyone to see and what Jesus is truly seeking. He says in chapter 6, verse 1, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. I don't know how many times in my life I have sought the reward of public approval versus the quiet approval of God. There, you know, like if we balance the scales, I don't know that I would like how that looks. How many times it was, it felt good for me to get the approval of others versus the quiet, unseen approval that is sought in the quietness of God. When I give, how many people need to know about it? On that, you guys need to start giving more. Uh, no, <laughs> that's the message when there's a bunch of guests, right? Like you know, we really. Uh, do the shakedown uh no but god is calling us for this god is calling for this quiet giving this quiet faithfulness this sort of generosity that is rich in god and doesn't need the approval of everyone else a quiet faithfulness in our giving so he speaks then towards our prayer life and when you pray do not be like the hypocrites your father will not forgive your sins. When we think about our prayer life, when we consider our prayers, do we pray more in public than we do in private? That may not be an issue for you, but a lot of my life is public prayer. You know, you show up to dinner, Jordan's here, let's have him pray. And that's because I got a special connection and you don't, you know? <laughs> I know, I know how it all shakes out. I understand, right? But it it can be a Is the heart of it so that we would actually take the problem at hand before our Father in heaven, or are we just making sure that they know that they know that we know that we care about them? Don't ask me to say that again. Is the point the public aspect of it, or is it the closing the door and seeking our Lord's heart? And that's what Jesus is addressing. It's not about public approval, public acceptance. It's not about looking good in front of others. It's about closing the door in the secrecy of your own room and quietly falling on your knees and pleading with God. That's prayer. Prayer that no one knows about. No one but you and God. When we make everything about public perception... When we make everything about how it's perceived in the people around us. We are choosing a righteousness that will only have a earthly reward. And we can pursue that. We can have that. But we forfeit a greater reward of the quiet solace and secrecy of a deep relationship with God. So we compromise. We compromise and we take the sort of easy path of public sort of approval and look at how good we are when God is calling us to a quiet faithfulness of a life of deep love with God. What one do you think will have a better reward? So Jesus then addresses fasting. Um, I don't have a problem with fasting. I don't do it. So... uh, uh, but it's, it's good to read. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly I tell you, they have received the reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. Your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Jesus is calling us to a secret life. It seems opposite, doesn't it? But God knows what is to come for his disciples. He knows the pressures, he knows the things that are going to be happening in the world around them amid all of the difficulty. And if there is only always output and never the quiet secrecy of input of a life pursuing God and quietness and his rewards, there is not enough strength found in the world world that can be found in the quiet secrecy of time with God. We can't face the world until we face our Father. So he says to us, what are we pursuing? Because that's ultimately what this is about. What is it that you treasure? Do you treasure things on earth or do you treasure heaven? Do you treasure his kingdom? Do you seek Jesus with all that you are? And he says to us, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. Where moths and vermin destroy, and where the thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You know, there's a guy that announced well, I don't know if he announced his retirement or not. Adam Schefter did. Uh, his name is Tom Brady. Okay, all right, just making sure. Some of you Colts fans have issues. I just wanted to get that out there. So Tom Brady, and they flashed a picture Tom Brady wearing seven uh, gigantic world champion rings on his hands. And they're saying, okay, uh, the greatest of all time is retiring. And and however you feel about him, he is really good, right? Uh, Or he's a cheater. I have heard that too. But whatever, it's not about Tom Brady today. But it is about our earthly rewards. And I hate to tell Tom this, but boy, would I love to meet him and tell him, that moth and rust and all of that is going to be destroyed. Right? I mean, here is the most prized person in all of our country who has achieved the greatest heights of his uh, profession in a way that no one else ever has, broken every record that you can imagine, and how much of that is going to last how much is it going to last? It, it's not, right? <laughs> and if that doesn't, then what are the things that we are pursuing that also are not going to last? But Jesus, he lays out for us what the reward is that is an aw- a reward that goes with us forever. And it is a life in God. It is a life filled with His mercy and grace. It is a life filled with His compassion and goodness. It is a life filled with this all-surpassing peace and comfort that comes only from Him. There is no completeness to be found in the world, only a completeness in Jesus. That's His lesson. And so He's saying to us, what are we pursuing? Do not seek the world, but seek the kingdom. Seek Him, seek His heart, seek His will. And I know this is what He's driving us towards because then the rest of His sermon is talking to us about worry. I know we all struggle with worry. The number one produced item, the number one industry in America today is anxiety. The number one produced item in this country is anxiousness. More than any other good, more than steel, more than food, the number one produced item in this country is anxiousness. And that is rooted in this question, can you trust God? Can you trust him to care for you and meet your needs? Can you trust for God to be there for you when it is in possibly difficult circumstances that you're facing? Can you trust God? Anxiety is this question. Is God uh, worthy of my trust? And Jesus, he says to us, what are we pursuing? Take a look at how God is caring for his creation. Take a look at how he cares for the flowers and cares for the birds. And how much more will he care for you? How much more will he bless you and be with you and care for all of your needs? And so he says, big picture, guys, would you look at what you're pursuing? Where is your heart? What are you treasuring? What are you seeking? And he says to all of them in Matthew 6, but seek first my kingdom and my righteousness, and all of these things will be cared for. If you want to address the anxiety, the anxiety that we all carry, it becomes a question of whether or not do we trust that the king and his kingdom have authority in heaven and on earth? And do I pray, Lord, let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven? Do I spend time in prayer inviting God's kingdom to break into the world and break into my life and bring peace and healing and hope and salvation and encouragement and blessing and generosity and goodness into this world? Do I lift these things to my Father that they would become true here on earth? Jesus, he invites us to seek first his kingdom and his closing words in Matthew 7 are all about the sort of fruit of this. He says you'll either listen to this and do it or you won't. There will be people that sort of do these things but that will be all output and there will be no input. He'll say to the people who have done a bunch seemingly for the Lord but he'll say to them, I never knew you. I never knew you, even though there was all of this output. Even though I got all of this approval, you never got the reward of the quiet faithfulness of the secrecy of prayer. It's not all output, it's got to be input. So that when there is output, there is Christ in it and with it, going before it. To give the world Jesus, you have to accept him. To give the world Jesus, you have to live under his authority. To give our neighbors the love and kindness that they so desperately need. They need you to be with him. What are you seeking? That's Jesus' message, and he's asking you to seek him in his kingdom. In uh, Jeremiah 17 uh, there is this vision of a tree that's planted by a river and it bears fruit and it's a sign of their faithfulness and trusting in the Lord and because the because this is a person who trusts in the Lord they are like a tree planted by the water and it says that they are their fear and their worry is sort of washed away that the heat of the day can come and it and it won't ruin the tree's life because it's found its strength by being near this living water, this river of life that's flowing into it. I think it's exactly what Jesus is trying to teach us in Matthew 6. And there's this really important thing that the tree does. It says the tree sends its roots forth into the water. I feel like sometimes we've made our life about a checklist of things that put us near the water, but we haven't always sent our roots out into the water. It is enough for us to pray, it's enough for us to go to church. Can we shed all of those things? Can we shed all of the things that sort of make us perceive ourselves to be good? And let's send our roots towards the living water of life, Send our roots to Jesus that the anxiety and the fear and all of the worries of this life under the pressures of money pressures of family the pressure of expectations all of the pressures that we have sort of heaped onto ourselves and just have a quiet faithfulness where we seek the Lord in the quietness of our home and a life deep with God. Your invitation is a relationship to one who has his arms open wide for you. Draw near to him. Close the door. Turn off the phone. (laughs) If you have children, lock them out. (laughs) And seek the Lord and seek his heart. There are so many things to distract us and lead us away from the greatest gift God gives us through his spirit. It is a life with him. Spend time in quiet prayer with him. And then announce it on Facebook. Let's pray. God, we love you. We treasure you. We thank you for today. And we pray, God that today would be a day we restore a sense of a relationship with you. The temptation to wander away, to be distracted, to be filled with so much worry and fear, to forget about you and your goodness and your grace today. There is so much weighing on our hearts. So much weighing on each of us, God, that we struggle with just the day-to-day sense to know that you're with us and you love us. So this week, God, I just ask that you would help us to send our roots out, to find places of nourishment and strength within our home, on our way to work, just pausing while we're at work, God, to find a sense of you being with us. Lord, for the many prayers and concerns of our hearts today, Lord, bring us peace. Bring us a sense of your presence and your love. Lord, we love you. Restore our faith. Help us to seek you and your kingdom and all that we do. We love you, God. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.